So good morning. I just want to say, just there's another announcement. You know, there's a party on for Jam. Well, we're going to be checking at the door to make sure only Jam kids go to that party. So don't even think about trying to go to that party unless you're in Jam. All right? We've got the new elders will be stationed at the door. <laughs> oh, no, we'll be watching that too. Okay, good. All right, well, um, yes, uh, what we're doing is we're going through a series going through 1 Thessalonians, and we're using that as we go through um, the Advent. And uh, today is Advent 2, as we've seen by the candles there, so beautifully uh, shining away there. Uh, what we're doing is we're looking at the fact that uh, wherever God is present, wherever the gospel is at work, then you know God is in the flesh. So Jesus came, he came, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, like we've heard. And so wherever God is, God is dwelling with his people. And so we learn that Jesus came at Christmas time, the word became flesh to dwell among us. And so if you want to, you know, you know um, boil the whole of Christmas, the Christmas event down in three words, it's God with us. And we have to say that it's not just this nice feeling, but God is actually with us. The Emmanuel principle is here. The Emmanuel community is here. It is real and it really does impact us. But what we need to do is see that we can get caught up in things and not think about or experience the presence of God in us. And so wherever the gospel is at work in power, then we share um, God's love with us. We share God with us because we are all you know, in God. And so we have to see and understand what does it mean for God to be in the flesh and for us to be the flesh of God, the body of Christ, the people of God. And so Paul does it so beautifully for us as he writes to the Thessalonians because, you know, there was, um, you know, I think we've heard this a number of times for those who are, uh, who have just come back. Welcome back to the faces. Great to see you. Um, what we've been doing is learning about what does it mean that, um, you know, Paul, he uh, preached the gospel uh, in Thessalonica with, um, Silas, and uh, what happened was that um, the church was planted, there was great power there, and then there was so much opposition that Paul and Silas had to flee for their lives. And so they were away for about a year until he could stand it no longer, so they sent Timothy in to find out how the church was going. And they were quite concerned about how they were going. Obviously they only had the word of God, <laughs> they only had each other, and they only had a bit of time with Paul and Silas before they left. But Timothy came back with this wonderful report about how the church is going. Their faith was alive. They were really God in the flesh, the body of Christ. It was going so fantastic. But also within that community, though, there were people who were opposing Paul and saying, well, he's just a charlatan. He's just tricking you all. He just wants to have power. He just wants to have influence. No, he just wants to, to have your love. But as soon as things went bad or as soon as there was a bit of trouble, they ran for their lives. You know, when the, when the going gets tough, the tough get running. No, the tough get going, it's supposed to be. Anyway, so they were saying, see, you know, Paul and Silas, they don't care. But actually what we've learned is Paul and Silas left not for their sake, but for the sake of this community. They wanted the community to flourish, and as long as they were there, there was so much opposition that the gospel couldn't really be working effectively in that area. And so as they left, you know, the gospel remained, and the people of God became and were the flesh of God, the body of Christ. And so we're going to look at what that means so that we can learn it ourselves. Because don't you think we need to learn that? I think it's really interesting when we, we look at our um, what we're doing. What's your calendar like? Yes, this Christmas. 
there's all these things. Okay, we got the you know the the final of this, the graduation of that. You know, we've got the um, the Thanksgiving here, and we've got the carols there, and we've got a family event there, and we've got this there, and you know, so we're all running off in every different direction instead of together. The body of Christ is called to be together, God in the flesh, you know, and the flesh ends up going everywhere else except together. And I think that's a challenge for us. We need to work on the, what, what does that mean? How do we how do we live that out? And so here we're going to have a look at that. So we're going to look at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 2b. So we've already gone, um, no, uh, chapter 6. We've already done chapter 6. I'm going to have a talk. Chapter 6a, and now we're going to go to 6b to 12. And let's have a look at these words. So uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 from verse 6b. So even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to burden, not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, at how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believe. For you know that we dealt with you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Let's pray. So, Father, we thank you that we are the body of Christ. We thank you that we are joined together as one here. We thank you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit, the bond of peace is here, and that we are all united as one. We thank you that we have this new life that comes from you. And Lord, we pray that you'll so move in us that we may hear your word. Lord, we want you to be present. We want you to be present in us. And Lord, as you're present in us, we want you to be present in our community. And so please teach us, instruct us, move us and transform us as we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so Christmas is all about God with us, God becoming flesh. You know, I love the O Come All You Faithful. Have you sang that yet? Joyful and triumphant. The um, Son of the Father, now in flesh appearing. It's a beautiful thing. Like, come let us adore him. You know, we, we adore God together as one because God has come in the flesh. And so that's what we celebrate every Christmas. That's what we remember. That's why we're here. And so Paul is saying that this is exactly what he does. He says wherever the gospel is in power, there we see the flesh of Christ. We see the body of Christ. And so let's have a look at how that works. It says there that uh, in verse um, 7 and 8, that instead we were like children among you, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very lives as well. And I want to focus on that. We were, we were happy to share our very lives as well. And, uh, you know, that lives is, you know, pretty of a weak word here. But uh, what it means is our soul. He said, we're prepared to share with you our very soul. 
all that we are, we were prepared to share with you. Now, we were prepared to be God in the flesh. We were prepared to share our lives with you. And, and so, not only our lives, but all that we are, we were prepared to share with you. And wherever the gospel moves in power, people are sharing their souls with each other because we become one like all souls. You know, we become one joined together in Christ. And so this is what we need to see here. How does it work when we share together? And you'll have to see what it is. Now, how do, what does it mean to share our souls together? Well, the first things we learn is what it's not. And we see that. He said, um, because we loved you so much, uh, we were delighted uh, to share with you not only the gospel. Now, I want you to think about this. We were prepared to share with you the gospel, but that's not enough. We were prepared to share with you the gospel, but that is not enough. Paul said, you know, we'll give you the gospel. We come in and say, oh, look, we want to tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. He's God the Son. He came to earth. He became a man. He showed us the way to glory. He became the way to glory through his death and resurrection. As we believe in him, then we have life in his name. And then they can say, oh, I'll see you later. You know, I want you to believe in Jesus, right? I want you to follow what he says and do these things and form yourself into a church and do all that sort of stuff and that'll be okay. That's not enough. Isn't that amazing? We, we think the gospel, you know, you need the gospel. But Paul says, no, that's, that's not enough. Well, what else does he say? Even working hard is not enough. He said, surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and our hardship. We work day and night uh, in, uh, in order not to be a burden to any one of you while we preach the gospel of God to you. Hard work is not enough. Hard work is not enough. So we need to see that it's not just preaching the gospel and it's not just hard work, working day and night. It has to be a sharing of our souls as well, you see. This is what Paul is saying here, that we need to know what that means. How does that look? And so what we learn, though, is throughout history, throughout the word of God, we learn that when the power of God is at work, when the gospel is here in power, there is true unity or a sharing of the soul. When the church began at Pentecost, there was a sharing of the soul. Wasn't there? there was a sharing of life. They had everything in common. They met together every day. They feasted every day. They shared communion every day. They had everything in common because they loved the Lord Jesus Christ and, and people were being added to the number every day. And why is that? Because they had the gospel. They worked very hard, but they shared their lives with each other. You see, if we don't share our lives together, we only have the gospel. We only have work, but we don't have true unity or the presence of God. The gospel has to work at bringing people together. And the Thessalonians were a fantastic example of that. You see how the gospel was at work in them? It says in verse 3, we looked at this at the beginning, like three weeks ago, it says, We remember before God the Father your work produced by faith, and your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope. And so the gospel was powerfully at work in them because we could see them, you know, the faith was causing them to work. Their love was causing them to labour and sacrifice for the sake of each other and for the community. And they endured because of their hope, the hope of glory. And so you can say, well, that's a place where the gospel is moving in power. It says, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, 
but also in power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you and for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. And you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. You see, the the gospel of God is coming in power. It is working in a wonderful way, transforming every life. And they're all together as one and they share their lives with each other. Verse 17, it says, you know, Paul declares his love for them. And he says, so it's not just sharing the gospel, it's not just working hard, but it's sharing their life, sharing their passion, sharing their longing, sharing their guilt, sharing their fears, sharing their joys, sharing their lives. You know, you know what that means? Have you, do you do that? Do you share your life with anyone? Every part of your life? Even the one you're married to, or boyfriend, girlfriend, or friend, or family? Do you share your life like Paul is talking about here? It's talking about sharing your soul, sharing all of who you are. And Paul demonstrates and shows us how that looks. He does that with great love. Now think of it. It says uh, in chapter 2, verse 17, But brothers and sisters, we, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of intense longing, we made every effort to see you. What is that? Is that just like, oh, we're, you know, we're, we like you guys and we'd love to see your faces again? He says, with, when we were orphaned, when we were separate, you know, ripped apart from you, we were separated and it caused great heartache and pain. It says, out of intense longing, we made every effort to come back to you because we loved you so much. You see? There's a great love there for, the, for them. In verse 20, it says, Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. What does it take for somebody to be your glory and your joy? It's not just a prize. It's a relationship where you know the, the church of God becomes flesh, becomes alive. The gospel is transforms people to become who God is or demonstrating who God is. And so Paul says that when we came to you, we came to you as a nursing mother cares for her children. A nursing mother. Not just a, a mother, <laughs> but a nursing mother. Someone who loves the child. Now, does a nursing mother take anything away from their child? Would they neglect their child in any way? The, the picture is of a nursing child that would look after their child no matter what happens, no matter how upset the child gets, no matter what happens, no matter how annoying, you know, no matter what, how much comes out of them. They're going to continue to nurse them no matter what happens. And so Paul says that's the sort of relationship we have with you. We have this relationship of deep, intimacy and deep unity. We, we love you. We share with you our life. As a mother shares her life with the child, so we shared our lives with you. Do you see how that works? A real deep sharing of who they are. And it, it's a, like they, they long for them. They, they look to them and they say that, you know, that we're one with you. And there's so, it's so much deeper than just church. It's so much deeper than just sharing a religious hobby or being part of a religious club. It's a place where you have the Spirit of God has come in power, there's been transformation, and everyone's life has been transformed into the life of God. And you share everything and have everything in common. 
He says that we were gentle with you. We were gentle with you. Nurturing and comforting you. And then it also goes down to say, we, um, you know that we dealt with you, each of you as a father deals with his children. So you see, we've got, they, they came as children, innocent. They nurtured them as a, as a, as a mother. But they also nurtured them and brought them up as a father. And there's a difference, isn't there? You notice that? A mother does the nurturing and a father, what does the father do? Does. He does the encouraging and the comforting and the urging to live lives worthy of the gospel of God. And so it covers the whole relationship. It covers every part. And this is how we're called to live in the church. We're called to live not just sharing the gospel, not just working hard together, not just being on rosters and teams and getting stuff done. We're actually called to share our soul with each other. And as we do that, the gospel advances because the gospel advances in us and then people are drawn to what we have because we have such a unity that this is so attractive to people. There are people all around us that want to have that kind of unity. Do you want to have that kind of unity? I think we all hunger for that, don't we? That we have this all this in common. That we just have this, this shared love, this shared connection, this shared belonging that means that we have all that we need. Well, Paul says this is what happens when the gospel comes to life in the hearts of people and of a community. There is a teaching and a nurturing, but there's an encouraging and a growing and an education and and uh, and teaching people how to live worthy of the gospel. It's a community where people are being brought up to complete maturity in the faith. And so isn't that interesting? So what do you think? Okay, am I, am I right? This is, is this right? Not just the gospel, not just hard work, but we need to share our souls as well. Do you believe me? Because there's so many people saying, oh, you know, that's, that's Paul. That was Paul's job, you know. He was an emotional kind, you know. He was, you know, you can tell he's pretty emotional. And so he just, that's just Paul. You go, no, it's actually commanded in the Bible, isn't it? It's commanded in the Bible. So Paul and Peter say the same things. Romans 12 verse 10 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. Above yourselves. And so what we have here is be devoted to one another. So, and the other one is brotherly love. You know Philadelphia? Everyone knows Philadelphia? Brotherly love? Yes, that's very good. But um, do you know the uh, the other word that's being used here, though, is philostorge, be devoted to one another. And that is a, a real devotion. That's a real love. That's a deeper love than just a friendship love. That is a love that a, a parent has for a child. That is a love that you have for your dog or cat. Imagine if you have a, a dog and it's coming to the end of its life. And you're thinking about putting it down. The love that is there, that is that sort of love. A devoted love. Or a love for your car. You know, you, you wouldn't want to do without it. I've heard of our neighbour, he says goodnight to his car every night. And, you know, that sort of, that sort of love, it's, there's an attachment there, there's a, a unity there. And so that's what we're talking about. Paul is saying, be devoted. To one another. Give your lives to one another. And Peter takes it a step forward even. He says in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 22 he says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers love one another 
deeply from the heart. It's exactly the same thing. It's a command. Love one another deeply from the heart. You've got to love one another so that it, it doesn't just, it's not just a, a decision. It's not just a, a practice, but it's something that's so deep that it comes from deep within. Now, do you love each other that way? Do we love each other that way? Nobody's going to say a thing. Because <laughs> I could start naming names, couldn't I? Do we love one another that way? We need to ask ourselves so seriously because it's such a serious question. Paul says, don't just be a part of a club, but he says, if the gospel is to be powerful among you, it needs to be a transformation that actually helps you to share and want to share love for each other. You know, the church isn't known for a place where people really love each other. And yet that's what's supposed to happen. It'll be the most powerful message in the entire world if you can get a church where people actually really do love each other. Not just be nice to each other, but they love each other. And so I don't know about you, but I don't love you as much as I should. I love you, but I don't think I love you as much as Paul loved the Thessalonians. I'm, I'm confessing it. And I need to challenge myself, as I think we all need to do, is to say, how can we grow in love for each other? And, uh, and the best thing that I can come up with is that we need to have this deathbed love. This deathbed love. Because it sort of sounds like a gospel thing to say. Deathbed love. And so when you're on your deathbed, how will you love the people in your life? When this is it, now the end has come and you're thinking about people in your life and then you don't sit there and go, wow, I'm glad I spent all this time with that person. You'll be going, I don't think I spent time with that person. You know, then the things become really serious. When, when you're on your deathbed, you think, how then should I have loved these people? And so if we can transport ourselves to our deathbed until we start to think about what's really important and uh, we start getting rid of all our distractions and we start to think, how should we have related to people? Then we'll sit there and go, yes, that's right. We should have loved with this kind of love. Because you see, what's happened to us is we have died to ourselves and we're alive in Christ. We're called to put to death, therefore, what belongs to the simple nature. And we're called to put on the new nature, which is in Christ, isn't it? through the Spirit of God. And so death there means that you put yourself to death, your things, your thoughts, your worries, your influences, and then suddenly you take on the new self. And in that new self, you begin to live out of that. And that's exactly what the Thessalonians were actually doing and what Paul did to the Thessalonians. He said, we didn't just work hard so that you can get the gospel. We shared you our lives as well. And I can bet you that if you were to start sharing your life the way that we're called to do it according to the power of God, then your love will grow. The more you think of the love that you have for others, the more you think of others, the more in love you'll be. If you could just, just randomly choose someone within this church and you think of that person, have they been friendly to you? It doesn't matter. You know, Have they been nice to you? Do you even know their name? I don't know. But do you love them? And the answer has to be yes. 
because of what we have in Christ. Does that person know Jesus yet? First question. If they do, oh, then they've got what I've got. Does that person have any struggles in their lives or is it hard for them? Or what do they need from me? Oh, wow, I can think about that. I'll get to know them. I'll know what they need and then I'll meet that need if I can. What about the other people? What about the relationships? What about the family? What about, you know, so if we start to care for each other and love for each other that way, that would be a miracle because it doesn't happen in the world. It can only happen when the power of the Spirit is at work powerfully within us. So this being devoted to one another is something that we need to decide, but it also has to come from the heart. The heart of love. A heart that understands what it means to be sinful and saved anyway. To receive grace upon grace upon grace. A life that knows that we don't deserve what we have, and yet because we have it, we're going to live with it and enjoy it. A life that says we're part of a body where you know, we need to build everyone up to maturity and there's nothing else to do except that. There is nothing more important in life or in the world than learning who we are in Christ, growing the body together so that the world may know that Jesus Christ is Lord and Saviour of all those who will turn to him. This is the love that we're called to have. This is the love that we have. And this is the love that we are to show. And so we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper. And wow, you know, that's the, the best example of that, isn't it? Jesus gave himself completely for you, for me. And he says, this is a new covenant in my blood. This is how you're called to live with each other. And so be devoted to one another. Love one another deeply from the heart. Have everything in common and then grow together. And when you do, you will be blessed. Others will be blessed. But most important, the light will shine, the light of the glory of God, the star that leads people to Jesus, <laughs> and, the, uh, and will be a salt on the influence of Australia. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, wonderful message. We thank you for how Paul and Silas shared their lives, their souls with that community. We thank you for how they followed, or the community followed that example, and they lived the same. We thank you for this wonderful community of love. We thank you for this wonderful community that was totally united and loved you and each other. Lord, we thank you for the influence that they were in their city. And Lord, we pray that you'll so bless us now that we will have that same love. Lord, take away all those distractions. Take away all those things we run after and invest in. Take away all those things that we we worship and we set up. Help us to let go of everything except for you and then be part of your community as we live that out. And so, Lord, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, we pray, Lord, that you'll help us to meet with you, to receive you and to be committed to you so that we can live out of this new life that you have won for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all those who agree there, Amen.